Welcome, campers. Settle in tight, for tonight you're in for a fright. Welcome, campers, to Friday Night Fright. Of course, we are your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And we're going to tell some spooky tales. Yes. And before we get into that, uh, just uh, we're, we're changing things up a little bit. For the month of October, we did a, uh, a Friday Night Fright each Friday in place of our, our fireside chats. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to be doing a new... What, last Friday of the month segment where we do a Friday night fright? Yeah. So, it's going to be a bit uh, a bit, a bit different, you know? Uh, for those of you that are up at 6 a.m. Eastern Time, ready to listen to a fireside chat, you're going to have to readjust those alarms to 6 p.m. <laughs> yeah. So, the last Friday of each month, instead of the fireside chat, we'll just be dropping a Friday night fright at 6 p.m. rather than 6 a.m. Exactly. And then, uh, and then, yeah, outside of that, we're going to be doing a monthly roundtable. What, on the first Friday of every month? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of changing things up a little bit. Uh, You know, adding some more content. Uh, Also, a little bit, uh, a little bit of variation of the content as well. So, hopefully, you guys dig it. Yeah, I'm excited. These are fun, the Friday Night Frights. I I love them. People really like them. People really liked them during October, so we decided to hang on to it. Yep. So with that said, let's get into it. All right. You want to um, you want to jump in first, or should I? I'll take this one first. Cool. Cool. What do you have for us? Well, today we have a story called the Rake. Ooh, classic, classic, uh, spooky pasta, right? Yes. Yes. Very much. Spooky spaghetti. I do like a good spooky spaghetti. Agreed. I've always refrained from telling the story because I know how it sounds. I know people think it's a myth. Since I've been meeting more and more people like me who have experienced the same thing, I've decided to talk about my encounter with the rake. I was in my 20s when it happened. My girlfriend Lara and I wanted to get out of town after midterms. We found a great cottage in Hood River County. Somehow, her sister Allie and her boyfriend Tyler slithered their way into our plans, and my weekend alone with Lara was hijacked. What made it feel ruined was that I had been planning to propose to Lara that weekend. But with Allie and Tyler there, it kind of cut the heart out of the vision I had planned, and I decided to hold off. Allie was nice enough, but I never really got along with Tyler. 
He was a football player who took too many drugs and was always in everyone's face. The cabin was deep in the woods, and I thought we were lost a few times on the drive up. We arrived at dusk and made dinner right away. Allie and Tyler started to drink and slowly hooked Lara and I into joining. By 10pm, we were all hammered. I was bonding with Tyler and even let him talk me into smoking weed with him outside. Which was a bad idea. Weed and me do not mix well. Tyler kept talking about wanting to go on a, na- on a nature hike. He'd taken a few grams of shrooms and said he wanted to talk to the stars. The weed was messing with my head and my stomach, as it always did, and I ended up going inside and laying down on the couch. I heard Lara and Allie join Tyler outside. Their voices slowly drifted away. I couldn't tell if it was because I was falling asleep or the three were no longer on the porch. Eventually, I did fall asleep. I had strange dreams. They were all about the cottage, the four of us, and a darkness that was encroaching from the woods. Parts of my childhood began to fill the cabin. Old bikes, posters of cartoons and TV shows. I saw full outfits from my childhood walking through the room without anyone in them. It was just the clothes moving freely, but in a way a person would. An eerie sound took over my dreams. It was coming from outside, and it was getting closer. The front door of the cottage opened, and a deep, red light poured in. The eerie sound became clearer, and something small shuffled through the door. This is so fucking weird. So, okay. This, like, so far, this sounds very much like a dream. Right, a dream or a trip or something. But he yeah. said he had just, like, he had just smoked weed. He didn't end up doing shrooms or anything. Yeah, he's is... not as cool as Tyler. Right, exactly. Um, But, like, <laughs> it sounds like a dream. Like, it's the kind of, like, you know, the dream-like logic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, seeing things from his past. Things that are obviously impossible, like outfits without people walking across the room. Yeah, I, I like... <laughs> I like that bit. I just I yeah. I just imagine like these little like kid outfits just you know walking around. Just yeah. flat as can be. <laughs> <laughs> little shorts and striped t shirts. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. It's very strange. I'm waiting for it to like change from this is probably a dream to this is definitely something actually that's happening. actually happening. Right, yeah. For yeah. sure. It was my old dog, Baxter. He walked right up to me and sat down, staring upward. Then a strange sound came out of his mouth. It sounded like he was trying to laugh, but couldn't. I wanted to help him at first, but Baxter started changing. His hair began to fall out, then his limbs elongated, stretching to lengths longer longer than my own. His skin was pale and his face looked smooth, like it didn't have a mouth. But it did, because when it finished changing and laid its eyes back on me, a slit opened on its face and revealed jagged teeth from a previously hidden jaw that unhinged and opened up. Its eyes held mine like I was being hypnotized, reflecting back in a strange cat-like way. The creature's long, spindly arms reached out for me as its mouth opened up. 
The laughing sound grew louder and pumped out the creature's mouth. That's when I woke up. I was still on the couch, the room was dark, and I seemed to be alone. Only that strange, attempted laugh was still going. It carried over from my dream and continued. My eyes tracked through the room trying to find the origin of the sound. I wished that they hadn't. In the back corner, something was crouched down staring back at me. I could see the same cat-like reflection in its eyes as my dream. Slowly, my vision adapted to the darkness, and I saw the creature that Baxter turned into. The creature that many others have referred to as the Rake. It received the moniker from its description given by the few survivors who have encountered the Rake and lived to talk about it. Its appearance was described as hairless and human-like, with limbs long and thin, and a mouth and teeth resembling that of a rusty rake. The rake was sitting cross-legged on the floor, making that disturbing, almost laughing sound. It reminded me of a child who was trying to play with an advanced toy. Then I noticed what the rake was holding. A bloody football. Tyler's. (laughs) Tyler's. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry, that just got very like teen horror movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, like of course the sports guy brought a football. I'm, well, like, I mean, yeah, you're going, you're going to like a, you're camping for the weekend and stuff, and you need something to do. Like, why not, you know, toss around the old pigskin, right? With who? With this guy, obviously. The guy who clearly doesn't like sports because he pointed that out immediately as one of the things he doesn't like about him. Maybe his girlfriend. Maybe. Maybe they, you know. Yeah, maybe she loves playing football. (laughs) Maybe she does. (laughs) Maybe Tyler's whole plan was to get them just stoned to the bone and just have an old-fashioned football match game. Yeah. Sports. (laughs) Football match. Uh, that's probably what it was yeah (laughs) sorry i don't mean to punch holes i'm just like that's no no so like yeah yeah no i I, yeah i I agree it's it it is very like almost like cliche teen horror movie right yeah for for sure yeah the rake was rubbing it between his hands tossing it in the air and catching it and playing with it like a child would. It was strange and terrifying to watch such a frightening creature with a toddler-like demeanor. Then, the rake put the football on the ground and rolled it towards me. It wobbled its way across the floor before coming to a stop at the foot of the couch. I couldn't move. I was frozen stiff on the couch. See, the rake wants to play football. Yeah, the rake wants to. Like, Tyler could have played with him. Maybe he did. <sighs> I mean, that's that's kind of what it <laughs> sounds like. Yeah, that's a bloody bloody football. Like, maybe I don't know. Apparently, or, it was full contact. Maybe Tyler also declined, and that's why it's bloody. Or maybe Tyler became the rake. Or maybe Tyler is the rake. He's always been. 
Yeah. Huh. Could be. Ooh. Wow. I like where this is going. <laughs> the rake looked like it was waiting for me and grew increasingly annoyed that I wasn't playing. It stood up and ambled walked to me. It lowered its frightening claw down, and I thought it was going to wrap around my face, but it picked up the football instead. The rake shuffled back to the corner and sat back down in its place. I laid the football on the ground again and rolled it over to me. The bloody football sat in front of me and I still didn't want to move. A growl emitted from the rake. I didn't want to upset it any further. So I reached down, picked up the football, and rolled it back to the creature. The rake bounced on the spot excitedly. (laughs) (laughs) I will say... I will say that it actually is really creepy to have, like, such a monstrosity have, like, this childlike demeanor. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It's unsettling. Mm -hmm. Because kids are volatile. You know what I mean? Like, so they're added to the fact that it looks horrific and there's blood and all this shit going on. Added to that, the fact that, like, just one wrong word and you could, like, set it off. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, like, if I were this dude, I would just be doing anything I can to appease this thing, right? Like, yeah. Read the Rekha bedtime story. Exactly. Go and cuddle yeah. him. Like, you know? Exactly. Gotta do what you gotta do. Glass of warm milk. Yeah. Bedtime story. Mm-hmm. Then you just hop in your car and leave. A little bit of whiskey on its gums. Just, uh... <laughs> sure. <laughs> calm down a little bit. <laughs> in case your rake is teething. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you never know. Maybe. It's true. Its attempted laughter got heavier, more strained and forced. The rake picked up the ball joyously and rolled it back. I went to grab the ball again and saw my hand, which was covered in the blood from the football, also had strands of long blonde hair on it. Just like Lara's. I tensed my stomach so I didn't throw up right there. I didn't know what happened to the others, but it was clear they'd made violent contact with this thing, and at least one of them was badly injured. I had to get away from that thing. Seeing that the creature was enjoying the passing back and forth, I decided that my next throw would bounce around the corner and into the kitchen. If the creature followed it, I'd have a few seconds to run down the hall and put a door between me and that thing. The rake rolled the football back. I picked up the bloody ball and threw an underhand to the left, sending it right through the kitchen doorway and bouncing around inside. The rake took off quickly following the ball into the kitchen. I shot up off the couch and ran down the hallway towards my bedroom. Then I heard footsteps behind me, and saw that the rake was chasing after me, gaining quickly. I turned into the first room I could, which was the bathroom. It was also one of the sturdier doors in the cottage, and had a lock on it. They had a mirror hanging from the back of the door. When I closed it, the rake punched its way through, sending shards of mirror all over the bathroom. I grabbed the two largest pieces I could find and started swinging downward at the rake. I felt the sharp glass cutting into my palms and fingers as I gripped and stabbed. 
With each connection, the cuts on my hands grew deeper, but so did the cuts on the rake. And because of how it was partly stuck in the splintered door, it had difficulty defending itself. It caught me several times with its claws, causing some heavy bleeding, but I managed to drive it back. The rake pulled itself out of the broken door and ran back through the cottage. I heard the front door break off its hinges as the creature disappeared into the night. I stayed in the bathroom until morning, waiting for the creature to show back up. But it never did. The police did, though. I called them and explained that I had been attacked by something, and that my friends were still missing. A few hours later, Lara, Allie, and Tyler's bodies were discovered. Or parts of them were. It was clear they had been attacked and partially eaten by some kind of animal. But the investigators couldn't tell what animal it was. They kept saying maybe it was a bear, maybe it was a wolf or two, maybe this, maybe that. I tried to convince myself for years that that's what had, what had happened. That some animal killed Lara, Allie, and Tyler, and I'd just been messed up from the weed and been half-dreaming everything else. I had friends, family investigators, and even doctors convincing me that there was a very logical explanation that didn't involve some urban legend about a humanoid that lived in the woods of the Pacific Northwest. The same hairless humanoid-like entity that conspiracy theorists claimed haunted the woods where Lara and the others were killed. Sometimes acting like a playful child, other times acting like a rabid, carnivorous beast... The rake was said to have a strange telepathic effect that could, in, that could even influence dreams. It was also said to leave very few survivors. The survivors that are still alive today, I've met. We share near-identical stories, but that can only take you so far after all the therapy and reprogramming. The thing that made me come around to believing that the rake is real and what I experienced that night actually happened is that last year I saw the crime scene photos from the cabin. Amongst them were photos from the living room where I had been sleeping and woken up to the creature. In the photos it was clear that there were two lines of blood smears on the ground. One was from me rolling the football to the far corner of the room, and the other trail was from something rolling it back to me. Well, I... I'll be honest, the scene where he's fighting the rake through the door. Yeah. Like, almost made me throw up. (laughs) Why? I get so freaked out about, like, trauma to hands. Oh, yeah. Like, when he's talking about, like, every time he swings it, it, like, it cuts deeper into his hands. Yeah, I mean, he's squeezing tighter and tighter. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That fucking, that's so gross. It like it freaks me out so bad. I'm so paranoid about my hands. I don't know why, but like that's understandable. <laughs> I'm that guy that like grown man that wears gloves to move furniture. You know what I'm like? That's no yeah, shit. Well. I definitely do that. Like I'm so paranoid about my hands. Like um, last year I was washing a plate in the sink and it snapped in my hands. 
like broken my hands and yeah. cut cut the side of my middle finger. Ooh, yeah. Like pretty bad. Mhm. It wasn't like wasn't quite to the bone, but it was like hanging open. Right, yeah, of course. And like I for sure 100% passed out. <laughs> like I mean, no shit, passed out and like I like sat down on the floor and went unconscious. Wow. Yeah. It was bad. Like my I, hands, I don't know I why, just my I've always been so like so paranoid about my hands. So yeah, that scene was, you know, pretty impactful for me yeah. personally. That's fair. I mean, I, you know, I I think uh I think that's probably a pretty you know, a common thing that's shared with people. I mean, obviously, like anything damage to your hands anything i mean obviously you use your hands for everything right yeah and so like the possibility of not being able to do that is definitely scary yeah you know and so and i can i can definitely say that firsthand for sure you know but uh, yeah that's true yeah um but like i think i've always sort of reasoned that it came from growing up like playing music yeah. like my hands are super important to me you know what i mean yeah of course Cause like I can't do anything that I love without my hands, like playing music, writing, yep, like all that takes hands. <laughs> it does takes hands? <laughs> yeah, it takes hands. I don't know. I've seen some pretty talented people though. Do yeah, some, but I don't do want to relearn crazy any stuff. I'm too lazy to relearn anything. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, I would just like if I lost my hands, I would just lay around depressed for the rest of my life. I mean, I'm thinking, man, I really wish I had some hands. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> wouldn't have the could, motivation. You could always like it. use that joke, like, "Hey, could you give me a hand?" <laughs> yes, I definitely would. <laughs> that would be the one bright spot for sure. That would be hilarious. Oh man, <laughs> give me a hand, please. I can use an extra hand over here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Can someone please give me a hand? Please. (laughs) You can have have fun trying to play patty cake with somebody. (laughs) Just use your fingers to count. Oh, wait. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> which way is left again just need to hold your finger never mind how many days in september <laughs> fuck <laughs> <laughs> the knuckle trick is no longer available to me nope oh yeah <sighs> yep and what then like what happens like if you're like told to like you know you have any questions raise your hand oh sorry bud <laughs> Just stick your leg out there. <clears throat> wow. <laughs> Apologies to any listeners who may be missing a hand. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel for you, honestly. Yes. It's one of my um, greatest fears. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's understandable. Yeah. That story was cool though. I like it. It's very like it's very classic, classic um, creepy pasta. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of the uh, 
was it the dog is it the dog man episode we did um ozark howler ozark howler that's right yeah kind of had that vibe oh yeah see that and that's the thing i think go ahead i'm gonna say except this guy didn't go back in the back room and look through photos yeah (laughs) leaving his girl out there to just yeah that's true oh that wasn't the ozark howler that was um which one am i thinking that was another Friday Night Fright story. That was the Red Thing. Wait, was it? Yeah, the story is called the Red Thing. Oh, that's right. That's where, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, all these are just so similar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the classic setup for a for a monster encounter, right? Yeah, like I mean, being that's... out in an isolated cabin and the Evil Dead, right there. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I think I was going to say, I think that's why like stories of the rake and, and similar creatures, creepypasta creatures have like taken hold so well Yeah, because they're so similar to encounters, like legit encounters that you hear about, like the Ozark Howler, about Bigfoot even Mm -hmm. about, you know what I mean? Of people being like terrorized by these creatures when they're out in these remote places. Right. What was that yeah. line from uh, the Ozark Heller one? It says, like, just shake it off, something, dear. <laughs> You're going to have to drift dry. That's right. <laughs> 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 shake yeah. it off. Nah, drift dry. Yep. There it was. Yep. It's all coming back shake to me. It. Yeah. That's still my favorite episode that I've ever written. Yeah. That was yeah. a good one. If yeah. only we had yeah. female voice actors to play those parts. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. We will. I know. I know. We'll get there. The thing is, the day after we posted that episode, I had two separate people volunteer well, for, thing, for, for doing female voice. That was a day too late. So I know, right? They, they were probably like, oh, I see you already posted. I would have done it. Man. Yeah. Well, yep. shoot. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. I like to actually like, If you would have just asked, I would have recorded those lines I mean, for you. I mean, anybody can say that. I know. You know? I'll believe it when I, you know, it happens. Well, one of these days I'm going to, you know, I'm going to write and produce a, a full audio drama podcast. And I'm going to be calling in those favors. So, ladies, you know who you are. I'm still counting on you. Yeah. As long as you don't sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought I did pretty good. I thought I did a good job as the woman in the Ozark Howler episode. All right. I don't even remember how you did it. It was pretty normal. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. No, it definitely wasn't that. <laughs> it was just a lighter touch. Oh, uh, you know? all right. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair, but yeah, great story, man. Yeah, for sure, like for it. sure. What a uh, what do you what do you have for us today? All right, I have a story titled "Maniacal Psychotic." That's quite the title. Yeah. All right. Is. Are you ready? I, I with a title like that, I really can't say for sure, but uh, I'm gonna say let's go for it. Yeah, you have no idea what's coming your way. Literally do not. 
All right. Here it is. All right. Let's, let's hear it. Maniacal Psychotic. The storm had felt like a rumor all day, but now the sky was delivering. For a second, like a knife catching a glint of light and refracting it in a multitude, everything gleamed white. The lightning split the whole sky in half, and in that moment it was brighter than daylight. The tops of the gravestones seemed to pulse like strobe lights in a nightclub before blackness settled them down again. She was kneeling in front of her sister's grave. She came here often. After all, that's what a mourning sister did. But she felt better coming at night. I'm sure she did. (laughs) God damn it. Continue. Shrouded in darkness, she could be herself. And she could feel what she wanted to. Which sometimes was nothing. A cavernous, echoey space of emptiness. Perhaps there was a bit of pride if she was... Are you through? (laughs) I'm really not. (laughs) What was that? A cavernous, empty something? A cavernous, echoey space of emptiness. Yeah, well, that's what happens when she's not getting anything. God damn it, dude. (laughs) She likes to come at night. She does. (laughs) It's the best time for it. I mean, you know. Some could argue. I'm done. Ready? I'm done. (laughs) Okay. Perhaps there was a bit of pride if she were being honest. Along with a genuine sense of connection, even though her sister was nothing more than a skeleton six feet under. Funny how it took death to rekindle a connection that hadn't existed since the womb. Either way, the emotions weren't appropriate for daytime mourning. The lightning seemed suitable for tonight. It was the anniversary of her sister's death, and it lit something up inside of her too. A dark part of her that she didn't always feel comfortable touching. In the dynamic moment when everything became bright, she leaned forward and put her lips on the cold stone. She was certain that whatever plane of existence her sister lived on in, her head was exploding at this artificial expression of tenderness. It wasn't totally artificial. It really wasn't. It was just that in life, they were polar opposites. Good and bad, angel and devil, black and white. They were identical, but no one would ever mistake one for the other. And yet, and yet the thought that had hung out in her mind for the past year said otherwise. They were not so different. Their mother, Paige, would have told you that there was something wrong with Madeline, right from the start. Her daughters were identical twins, but the resemblance was purely physical. Madeline had been a difficult baby from day one. She was the one who cried nonstop, who refused to nurse. When Paige would finally get her settled and carefully place her down, she rarely got as far as the nursery door before Madeline's blood-curdling cries began again, often waking Erica as well. Paige would want to sob on the floor, She was so absolutely depleted. Madeline was an infant who made Paige understand why shaken baby syndrome was a thing. That's pretty harsh. Yeah. But I mean, also, that child sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) As a toddler, Paige would tell you that Madeline fine-tuned her mean streak. 
Paige could not take her eyes off her for even a second, for fear she would push Erica down the stairs or pinch her so hard a purple welt would instantly appear. Erica, by contrast, was as sweet as pie, and Paige thanked God every day for that. She didn't think she could have handled two demon babies, which is how she thought of Madeline. At night, she begged God to forgive her. What kind of mother hated her child? Oh, she loved her. She loved them both, but she detested Madeline. She wished for her mother or sister to offer to take Madeline for a weekend, even a day, but that never happened. Erica, though, she was quiet and ate and slept well, and was a child who lit up with a smile when you spoke to her. Unlike her sister, who was more liable to kick you in the shin, the demon grin on her face. Erica grew into a little girl teachers raved about, one who followed the rules and was polite. Paige knew you were not supposed to have favorites, but she didn't see how that was possible. When she asked God to forgive her, she also prayed that Madeline would outgrow her wickedness. That never happened either. Erica would have told you that being the good child was a heavier burden than it appeared. Aside from never wanting to cause a fuss, and even good girls became frustrated or angry sometimes, there was also Madeline's temper to consider. Erica learned at a young age to watch her back. Madeline had a fondness for pushing her down the stairs or sticking her foot out to trip her. Erica spent a lifetime sleeping with one eye open. Years of watching her back, of being ready to defend herself against her sister's attacks, was exhausting. Sometimes she wanted to be the one who screamed out a tirade, who wiped the contents of a table off as she ran by in an indignant rage. But she didn't think her mother could have handled that. There was a weariness in Paige's eyes, so solid you knew it bled right out into her soul. As they grew up, Madeline's attacks against her twin became more devious in nature. Bored, it seemed, with physical assault, Madeline would do things that seemed more benign. But these acts of scheming cut Erica deeper than any bruise or twisted finger could. Ripping up a book report with a big red 100% at the top, Dumping black dye on her cheerleading uniform. Erica learned quickly that it was easier to keep her head down and privately tell their mother that she had that she had aced the math test. It was easier just to not run for student council president, to give up cheerleading. Erica locked her bedroom door at night. The truth was, Madeline terrified her. And Madeline? Madeline would have told you that her parents played favorites from the start. So why not star in the role she was cast? She would have entertained you with memories of being four and staring at her perfect, pristine sister. While hatred she could not stop bubbled inside of her. Erica's hair looked like ringlets on a child model, and Madeline's was a wild frizz that could never be tamed. Just like her, she supposed. She would tell you a story about grabbing a hunk of Erica's shiny blonde curls and hacking them off with contraband sewing scissors before she even knew what had happened. She would tell you a hundred stories like that, but the truth was it got old. Erica never reacted to physical attacks, just hid her quiet, pathetic face in her hands. Madeline had to become more creative. She would tell you about how she slept with Erica's high school boyfriend and made a video of it. That was fun. How she posted it online and watched it go viral in a matter of hours. How she had kept her face out of the video so no one knew it was her. Everyone assumed it was Erica. But Erica knew. Erica knew because she was a virgin. 
Madeline knew this secret of hers because she had read Erica's pathetic little diary, the one with the pink patent leather cover and a lock that looked like it belonged to a 12-year-old. Madeline would tell you that the best part was that Erica's boyfriend had no clue he was hooking up with the wrong twin. His eyeballs particularly bulged out of his head. He was so excited when Madeline locked Erica's bedroom door and promptly took off her shirt. Madeline had chuckled after he left and she watched the video, excited to see how this would play out. As she expected, Erica's good girl reputation took a hit and she broke up with her boyfriend. Good. Served her right. Madeline would tell you about how her hatred for Erica ran so deep she was unsure of who she was without it. Their father, Andy, wouldn't tell you anything because he had split years ago. It was no secret that his reasons for departure were hinged on the behavior of his maniacal, manipulative, psychotic daughter. Both girls had heard him scream this phrase at their mother, who was refusing to get Madeline help. Scream it as if, instead of Madeline, her name was maniacal, manipulative, psychotic daughter. They were only five years old at the time. Paige felt that Madeline was much too young to be subjected to testing, therapy, or medication. Andy felt the complete opposite, and so their marriage, which had once been a true love affair, although neither girl knew that, dissolved. Lightning spliced through the night again, and she traced the lettering on her sister's grave. She was glad she was dead. Oh, she would never say that, even though people probably expected her to. Even though her mother mother side-eyed her through silent dinners, the gaze of a woman mourning tinted with fear. She was pretty sure her mother knew that the accident hadn't been an accident. Paige would never say anything, though. Their mother had been through hell and back, losing her husband, a lifetime of a maniacal, manipulative, psychotic daughter, losing a child, which no matter what the circumstances, was devastating. Paige was withered up, spent. Her movements were ghost-like, as if she had died alongside her daughter. It hadn't been murder or anything like that. There was nothing premeditated. In that sense, it really was an accident. But it felt as if the universe had offered up an opportunity. Like a giant hand had reached down from the sky and said, Here, take her out. End all your problems. It was a beautiful October day. They had driven home from school in stony silence. The fallout of Erica's boyfriend's betrayal was still a fresh wound. She had parked the car and was gathering her things and then realized she needed to move it to the street. Their mother wasn't home yet, and she would need access to the garage. She threw it into reverse and immediately felt a dull thud, a heavy tap. Instinctively, she slammed on the brakes, and then... And then she let them up. She let the car roll backwards, feeling the satisfying rocking as it ran right over her sister, and accomplished what she'd dreamt of so many times. It was shocking, both what had happened and the sense of peace that she felt about it. Of course, the aftermath wasn't pretty, particularly the immediate aftermath. She had always felt that she had a strong stomach, but seeing the remains of her twin's face, identical to hers, in smithereens on the driveway was enough to make her vomit before she even dialed 911. Paige's primal scream when she showed up moments later, ambulances already surrounding the house. Okay, she did feel bad about that. Whatever you could say about Paige hating Madeline, she couldn't help but feel empathy for her own mother. 
Then there had been the funeral. The abysmally low number of people in attendance. It wasn't hard to figure out why. What would they say? Sorry for your loss? The awkward and uncomfortable appearance of her father who patted her shoulder like she was a horse in a stable. A horse he was a little wary of. He barely spoke to her. Only stared at the casket. She swore she saw tears dripping. Before he left all those years ago, their father had made it no secret that Erica was his favorite. Paige, at that time, was still trying to perpetuate the notion that she loved her daughters equally, and Andy had little patience for that. Erica was the one he played with, the one he took along for Sunday errands, the one whose ears he pulled quarters from in an embarrassingly dad-joke way. Still, it was bizarre to see him standing over the casket, crying. It wasn't even open. She had half expected him to stick around. Maybe with her sister out of the way, the three of them could form a nice, normal family. She was nearly 18, but she still fantasized about the life she could have had if it hadn't been so streaked with all the hatred. A mom and a dad who loved each other and adored her, and that was it. No sister. She could picture her whole future. Christmas dinners with the three of them together. Her wedding day with both parents walking her down the aisle together. A happy life. But that was not to be. Andy split faster than he had the first time. He hadn't even come to the internment at the cemetery. Rain was beginning to fall now, and she thought it was time to go home. She really didn't want to, because the biggest secret that she kept was that she'd felt closer to her sister in the year that had passed since she'd run her over than she had all her life. She felt a sense of aliveness, connection whenever she visited the grave. Sometimes she was almost a bit regretful. Maybe that connection meant that somehow, some way, they could have overcome their differences. Maybe her sister had just been playing the role she was cast in, after all. Or maybe it meant they were not so different, after all. As the rain began to fall harder, Erica traced her fingers through Madeline's name. It was a ritual she did each time she said goodbye. She traced the name, she whispered it into the darkness, and she leaned over and kissed the chilled, wet stone once more before standing up. It was funny. If it had been the other way around, if Madeline had crushed Erica with her car, everyone would have assumed it was on purpose. But Erica? No one would ever suspect that she'd had a moment to think. A moment when she could have stopped the trajectory of what was about to happen. And if they did suspect that moment existed, they would never guess that Erica would have taken her foot off the brake purposefully, intently. Not Erica who volunteered at the homeless shelter and dutifully rinsed her toothpaste down the sink and never had a bad word to say about anyone, even her maniacal, manipulative, psychotic sister. No one would ever know. And there was a sense of peace now. At least she didn't have to watch her back all the time, always wondering what Madeline was up to. The space gave Erica time to think about things. The amount of energy that had been spent managing, deflecting, and watching out for Madeline's hatred was mind-boggling. Without her there, there was a lot of space. Maybe that was why she liked the way she felt when she visited the cemetery. It was familiar. Erica leaned over and kissed the gravestone one last time. She felt that jolt of electricity coursing through her, that piece of evil that seemed to come from Madeline. 
She had always understood Madeline's hatred because she felt the same way. She had just never done anything about it. At least until the day of the accident. No, they were not so different, were they? As Erica turned to leave, another bolt of lightning bent the the sky white and purple. Just at that moment, she swore she saw a hand reach out from the ground, grab her ankle, and yank her. When the darkness enveloped her again, she saw she had only tripped over her own two feet. There was nothing there. No hand sticking out of the ground, no ruptured earth. Still, Erica was shaken. She scurried out of the cemetery, her heart pounding in a way she it hadn't in a whole year. The entire time, she continued to look over her shoulder, expecting to see Madeline. She swore she heard her chortling behind her. But as she reached her car, she realized it was only the thunder. She thought about the day recently, when she'd tripped heading down the front steps of the house, how she sworn she'd felt a hand shove her from behind. There was no one there, though, and she had chalked it up to needing her morning coffee more than she realized. Now, though, Erica wondered, wouldn't that be just like the maniacal, manipulative, psychotic Madeline? to be able to cause trouble from beyond the grave. She quickly shook her head, as if to clear the thought away. This was just PTSD from years of abuse, leftover trauma from what she'd done. It was not Madeline. As she threw the car in reverse to turn around and hightail... As she threw the car in reverse to turn around and hightail out of the cemetery, she remembered that day in all... in all of its vividness and she knew she'd done the right thing. There was only so much Madeline could do anymore, being dead and all. Erica was glad she was dead. She was glad she was the one who made it happen. Madeline wasn't the only one who was maniacal, manipulative, psychotic. No, they were not so different after all. Nice. I was waiting for the end, well, outside of finding out that she had been... That same way, too, just never acted on it. I was just waiting at the end for it to turn around, and it was actually the other sister that survived, and she's been playing it off to be the other one. But... Yeah. All right. That's, I like it. I mean, it sounds like... Yeah. That girl was a handful anyways. Right? Good riddance. <laughs> a lot of that reminded me of... um do you remember the Macaulay Culkin movie from the early nineties? The what is good, it? The Good Kid. Yeah, the Good Kid. Or the the Good Son. The Good Son. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It was him, and then um, what was the other kid? Uh, I can't. I can't remember the the actor who played that role. But uh, yeah, that yeah, that was that was a yeah. great movie for sure. Yeah, that it reminded me. Oh, Elijah Wood is the other kid. Okay, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that was, it reminded me a lot of that. Just the like crazy underhanded, the things that are like so outrageous that no one would believe it. Yeah. Actually happened, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like this, this girl did so much like terrible things to her sister. And then like also that video pretending to be her sister and, you know, having sex with her boyfriend. Like yeah, that's pretty gnarly. Yeah, that's just awful. I yeah. I just I don't know. I don't understand how like somebody can be like that to another person. I mean, it's a it's a disorder. <laughs> it definitely is. Yeah, it's yeah. 
It's, but it's just yeah, a complete lack of empathy for other human beings. Yeah, it's just weird. Right? But on on top of that, because a lot of people just say that, you know, but like it it takes more than just a lack of empathy. Like you also have to be driven to do bad things. You know what I mean? Yeah, like true to act out negatively. Because there are plenty of people like diagnosed sociopaths who go through life never hurting anyone. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I but, mean that's true. Yeah. That's true. It just I, I I always like I think of you know like you watch movies where people people do like crazy stuff like that or you know, story yeah. like hear stories of that or whatever and it's just always so so hard to fathom that being a reality. Yeah. It's terrifying also as a parent like when when my kids were really small cuz you don't know what kind of person you yeah. made. You know what I mean? Like it's up in the air for a while. I think that'd be one of the hardest things about having kids and watching them grow up is you don't know if they're going to be like perfect little angels or if they're just going to be like hellions, right? Yeah. So a lot of it's environment too. A lot of it is, is up to you and how you manage them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're like constantly showing and displaying love and, having that relationship with them, you know, there's a good chance. Yeah. You know, it at least gives them the best chance. Be, right. Exactly. Cause some, you know, some people really are born with, you know, an inability to feel empathy and yeah, you know, that has to be someone's baby. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like that's, that's true. But you like, like you said, tough, not dude. all cases like that are, end up like this right right not i mean the vast majority of people that are that are sociopaths aren't violent right like it's a very small percentage yeah but the problem is when people who have that go violent it gets really bad really fast yeah i can i can only imagine i know like i think that's why people like tie the two things together right you know what i mean yeah, I know myself, yeah. like, I'm a very, very empathetic person. Like, almost yeah. too much, even, you know, like, and so, too, like, man. yeah, it's just, it's just so different. Yeah. I know it's hard for me to even, like, put myself in that perspective. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yep. Yeah, because I'm constantly, like, I'm, I'm someone who, like, like i worry about people like i you know i'm not like you know uh i like say a little prayer when i hear ambulances yeah like i'm that yeah i'm like that person right like i'm constantly feeling bad for people yeah yeah i I understand that i understand that for sure so yeah it's weird Mm -hmm. it's weird for me to try to understand that but like but that's probably a good thing that it's yeah, hard I mean, for yeah, us to understand. Of course. But stories yeah. like this are always really cool too, just because of how like gnarly they are. Yeah. So And like it's it's interesting that like I think what we have here in the story is two sisters who both possibly have that lack of empathy. Mm-hmm. Right? Like they both have it, but they chose to manage it in completely different ways. Yeah. The other girl's right. getting great grades and 
Zoff yeah. doing, you know, all these extracurricular activities, you know, like making something out of themselves. And the other one's just a just a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Well, one chose to be self-serving, mm-hmm. right? The the good one. Did the things that it took to have like a good life. Yeah. Right? And the other one just acted out. Right? For But see, like I, they I got their attention negatively. Yeah. But like acting out is only gonna get you so far. And that's yeah, just but that's a hard lesson to tell a child. I mean, I know. I know it is. Those like long term lessons, right. those are the ones yeah. that like take years and years to sink in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've like tried to explain to my children, like, if you fail all your classes, you're gonna end up homeless. Like that's yeah. the eventuality. Yeah, I mean that's right? uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Like yeah. It's like like right now you feel like, oh man, I'll have to take biology again. But if you do this enough times in a row, you're gonna live in a refrigerator box. <laughs> like yeah. that's that's what happens. It's the harsh reality of it. Yeah. And it it's like it's hard to get kids to wrap their minds around something that might happen fifteen years from right. now. Because I you mean, know right I mean? now they have everything that they need. They don't have to yeah. do anything to make that happen. Yeah, and it you feels know? like that'll last forever. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just the way the world is. Mm-hmm. Now, Sucks that it's not. <laughs> if they're smart, they'll just try to live with mom and dad forever. Yeah, not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> I I always say like Man, if I was smart, I would have just I would have just stuck and lived at home as long as I could until you know it was no longer an option. But yeah, you know, I think it also helps getting out of the house and growing up and finding you know what works for you or you finding yeah. your uh, I don't know, just finding you, right? Yeah, it's so. really hard as a parent to when you realize that some lessons they have to learn the hard yeah. way. You know, like that there's no way cuz you obviously you want your kids to learn from your mistakes. Yeah, of course. Right? But like there's only so much of that that's possible. Some sometimes people with some situations you have to fuck up to feel what it feels like to fuck up. Yep. So that you'll avoid it next time. Yeah, I mean you that's know? that's exactly it. Like sometimes it takes and and that's for everybody like everyone yeah like it doesn't matter how like cautious you are or what you do like what you don't do sometimes it takes just like one just either life-changing event or just one one event in general that can change your whole like the way you see things and deal with things and act on things and yeah yeah and and that's definitely that's part of growing up for sure yeah, you know, just finding finding those opportunities to grow and you learn from and be yeah. a better person because of it. It's really hard from the parents' perspective though, because it's like it's painful to watch your child learn something painful. Oh yeah, I mean, you know of what course, I mean? you never want to see you never want to see your child yeah. fail, right? Yeah, like and yeah, that would that would be very difficult to do. So I get it for sure. But yeah. I, I like this. I like this one. It yeah. It's very like. Not you know, at all what I was expecting. Of, yeah. There's a little bit of gruesomeness to it. Yeah. Right. For sure. But like it was mostly it's very psychological, which mm-hmm. I like. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. It's 
I think it's one of the better better ones you've had for Friday Night Fried, actually. Awesome. So good. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think uh I think that's gonna do it for this episode of Friday Night Fright. That's not following you know, it's not close to Halloween. Um <laughs> Yeah. Which Friday Night Fright six. Yes, Friday night wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Friday night fright six. 